talk about anything else. We don't want to know. We're just dedicated to our favorite shows. Saturday Night Live! Monday Night Football! Dallas! Jefferson's! Gilligan's Island! Flintstone! Welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. My voice didn't crack. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of hoping it would. Well, I'll go back. It makes, for, it makes for a, a good laugh. Yeah, we, we like to have laughs here. We, we like, do. We like to have fun. Only you know, only one laugh allowed per recording per session. Oh, I so just... You gotta see, no, I'm, fuck, I'm full I of fucked shit. up. I I'm already laughed. Well, I'll edit this laugh out so I can savor my laugh. You laugh too much. Anyway. Anyway. Hey. Hey. So, have you uh, binge-watched any good TV lately? Or, you know, you can drop the uh, little adjective there of good. I was going to say good <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> no. No? Um, nope, just still trekking through the L word. Because uh-huh, uh-huh. we started, so why why stop? Yeah, why stop now? Mm-hmm. We made it this far. Yeah. Yeah so easy to just kind of sit there in front of the tv and let the next episode play over and over and over but it's okay i mean you know keep our hands busy with needlepoint yeah no judgment but you know this is a very relatable way you know this sort of like tv binge zone um yeah so i'm glad that we managed to get a little bit of sort of like queer soap opera (laughs) in the blend there you Mm know um as many problems as it has, you know, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of them are just of the time. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that some of what we're watching is, you know, 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is, uh, was a very pointless segue into our main topic of the day. Yes. We're talking television horror. Yeah. Yeah. Scary shit coming either from or just through the tv (laughs) whether it's the tv itself or if the tv is just a conduit of scary shit yeah we have it all yeah well um you know with the uh anyone who's a a movie fan that watches these cult classics they you're not going to get very far without a television or access to a television (laughs) um netflix is super popular with the whole like Let's do Netflix and chill. Let's binge out on the on the flicks and all that kind of stuff. So TV's so ubiquitous, and it has been for quite some time. Or at least some form of small screen in your home. Yeah. It can also be your phone now, or your laptop, or your tablet, or yeah. whatever device. But We're going a bit earlier than that, because we, we are hitting up the 80s for this episode. This is true. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess that just means it's proliferated, if anything, with, mm-hmm. uh, just more small screens, more ways to... And not just in our homes anymore, but attached to our bodies most yeah. of our waking hours. Yeah. Very, very uh, Donna Haraway cyborg here. Yeah, happening. Gonna, gonna get into some cyborg manifesto with this one, huh? I, you know, I'd love to, but it's been a few years since I read it, and even when I read it, I barely understood what I was reading, so I, at this point... I wouldn't feel comfortable. I, no. <laughs> Other than, yes, we, we are cyborgs. Yeah. Cyborgs, it's what we is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty ripe for a genre of horror, mm-hmm. given how ubiquitous the television is. Absolutely. That seems to be my word of the day, apparently, is ubiquitous. Well, and how prevalent, ubiqui- how... How ubiquitous um, fear-mongering, I guess, about television is, and complaints about, you know, the stupid boxes getting to rot your brains. Yeah. Damn, kids. 
Yeah. Their, well, now it's in our in our smartphones and our iPads and our yeah. Dang it used to be our devices. MTVs yep. and our TV idiot box. Now it's our phones and our YouTubes. Yeah. And our Twitter.coms. <laughs> that that is probably the number one source of my brain rot. Let's be real. Yeah, that's fair enough. But yeah, that being said, um, there's a lot of fear out there culturally that you can capitalize on as a, as yeah. a horror filmmaker when you're involving TVs, whether or not you choose to use that or not. It's mm-hmm. ripe for the, the picking and the producing into a televisable product. Yeah, and that's what a lot of good horror is. And um, you had a lot of that with the... Uh, I mean, I, I would say it's been a current through all of horror since the beginning of the genre to now, but late 70s and into the 80s, there was a good glut of these sort of like social horror going mm-hmm. on where it was the um, various topics or ills of the day that were being uh, discussed. But that is barely, you have to stretch for that for the first couple movies we watched. <laughs> um, and stretch, we will. We are quite flexible. We've all yeah. warmed up, done some warm-up stretches already, and we are going to reach so far, that, you'll think that our shoulders will dislocate. That is the plan. That Isn't that how we usually go it about is. this? Yeah. yeah, we have a whole warm-up routine planned, yeah. you know, a good half an hour of stretches and... Yeah. mantras and stuff before we, i'm full of shit just yeah let's just move on break out the enemas so we're not even we're already full of shit as it is it's so. true <laughs> Got, gotta gotta tie how hard we try to empty ourselves out because it's just gonna spew out all show <laughs> jesus christ i apologize um so first what did we watch first did we watch Terror Vision first? We did. We, did. we, we did. watched 1986's Terror Vision from yeah. Empire Pictures. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I picked, uh... yeah. Lori made a pile and I, I picked it as our first watch because one, I hadn't seen it, and two, Mary Warnoff is in it, so it beat out everything. Yeah, else. I was pitching it, and then, then when I got to Terror Vision, I just said, had to say Mary Warnoff. And I was like, sold. Like, sold. <laughs> That's it. We're watching. So we watched it. <laughs> this was the first time watch for you. It was. It sure was. Yeah, it was very fun watching this with you. <laughs> and watching me watch it, probably. Exactly, yeah, because uh, this is a movie. <laughs> this... It is a movie. <laughs> yeah, said in that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, like, it's probably, how did I describe it? Like, the horniest horror movie I've ever seen <laughs> without it's... being a, explicitly, like, about fucking yeah it's a pretty horny movie it's really horny yeah it's for a space invasion television movie yeah, it's, it's real super horny. horny so it's lots of fun yeah <laughs> uh you want to give a brief plot encapsulation you know a little blurb for the listeners yeah i guess the uh the the nuclear putterman family hmm. of normal americans the puttermans like that's you don't call your family the puttermans without knowing okay we're gonna get some jokes up in this <laughs> Yeah, that's we're gonna get mileage that's, that's out name, of this. Yeah, um, they get their fancy satellite TV installed, but of course, Mister Putterman, the the father, the patriarch of the yeah, Putterman, he, he party. insists to get that he he needs to get the one done. That's the install it yourself. Yeah, the the do it yourself one hundred. That's it. Yeah, and he uh, kind of sucks at it, so it's not working. And the repair guys, oh, I'm sorry, we only cover repairs. And at some point, I don't know, the TV, the TV signal's iffy, and at some point, some, like, space refuge comes and hits it, hits the satellite dish. Yeah, it's space garbage. Space garbage. It's made very clear that this is trash from outer space. Yeah, and the satellite dish starts, like, growing slimy tendrils and stuff, but really cool shit starts playing on TV. Yeah. Yeah, and um, including this Medusa. Yeah, Medusa, which is... um. Sort of, uh, for people who grew up with this kind of television, it's sort of like a Monster Vision-esque kind of thing. Yeah, and she's very Elvira. Elvira, very Elvira. Um, For a modern version, that'd be like looking at uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, which is currently on Shudder. If he had giant boobs for you to look at. Yes, yes. But the same idea, like the horror host who they show horror movies (laughs) and get the commentary breaking up the the Mm -hmm. show. Um, But... 
Yeah, this is specifically... A really horny have, version of or, this. Yeah, a really horny version, yeah, exactly, with the big hair made of... Except it's made of snakes. Yeah, rubber snake headpiece, yeah. Yeah, and um, so at some point, a uh, monster is broadcast out of the television and yep. starts eating people, and Miss poor little Sherman Putterman, the, like, nine-year-old kid with the best name ever... Sherman Sherman Putterman. Putterman um, <laughs> the worst name ever. I, I, his parents didn't like him very much. <laughs> <laughs> to any of our listeners out there named Sherman Putterman... I love you. We do. We're, we're so sorry. But Oh, we. You're going to jump in on yeah. my love for Sherman Potterman. <laughs> yeah. We love you. Um, and so, of course, because he's this little kid, nobody believes him. No. Much to... Uh, no, he has uh, spells, and it's like, you're just sleepwalking. We need to give you pills. We need to pop you full of pills. And his sister... What's her name? Like, Lynn or something? Susie. Susie. Playing of a different movie, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Susie. Okay. Sh- she is the original scene kid... She, I love how you call her that when she's just, like, such a bubblegum pop punk princess kind of thing. I like, guess, but, like, just that hair and, like, she she reminds me of the scene kids of the aughts, but, like, she walked so that they could stumble. See, that's why, <laughs> that's <laughs> because why I like I wouldn't watching say they ran. movies like this with you because uh, I, the scene kid thing was slightly before my time. Like I was like, they existed, but it was, they sort of came after emo, right? Yep. Yeah. Like emo was kind of the thing when I was leaving high school mm-hmm. and then it was scene kids and I was already just completely yeah, plugged kids out. Yeah. Scene kids just kind of like worked um, into them. And then they turned into, all turned into hipsters. Yeah. But anyway, so scene kids, uh, it's funny getting that perspective because I'd never would have picked up on that. Yeah. Because that, right. to someone whose frame of reference for that kind of style is like eighties yeah. horror movies, like, and, and like John Hughes movies and stuff like that it very much feels like your typical like it didn't seem out of place to me <laughs> Fair in enough, any yeah. way i mean i, uh, it's I a very it was goofy, out of place but yeah, it's a it, very goofy like like i remember the second you saw her you're just like oh my god that hair certain <laughs> <laughs> some kinky cannibal realness mm-hmm. <laughs> but way better but yeah i guess it just goes to show that whole fashion is cyclical and it's yeah depending on where your point of reference comes from you will see different things and get different readings yeah well I mean, we're already through the 80s nostalgia wave fashion-wise, that hit, and we're through into the 90s nostalgia, and we're probably through that, too. Like, you know, it's like, it comes around, which is great for me, because I just dress the same way I do when I was six years old. (laughs) I just didn't change. Fair enough. Jeans and plaid. (laughs) It's timeless. So, TerraVision. TerraVision. It, It took me until, like, I think, I don't know... I can't remember if it was hours after watching that or, like, the next day that I realized I'm like, oh, terror vision. That's kind of a play on the word television. That's exactly what it's going for. It took me way longer to get that than I should. Now, when we threw this on, I didn't tell you it was a comedy. No, you told me it was uh, not good. (laughs) Not in the conventional sense. I think it's fantastic. It's it's a treasure. But, yeah, Yeah. no, this is one of my favorite Mm B-movies for just how that shit it is because it doesn't take itself seriously no it does not. it's just fun as heck <laughs> it is um how long did it take you to kind of snap into the groove of that because at first i noticed a lot of shaking of your head i mean that happens throughout <laughs> the entire movie but yeah. i think you got on board at a certain point yeah i think um i think i picked up on it pretty quickly mm-hmm. it's hard not to with the dialogue it, that's for yeah sure. and just the the sets yeah like their house their very very expressive faces yeah the stupid shit they say mm-hmm. um yeah what is it uh stan putterman you said that he looked like a lost Raimi brother yeah yeah like, like he's their dad or something yeah. he's their lost dad with the bug eyes and just the like very expressive goofy yeah to him and and grandpa i don't remember what his name was but he the intonation of his voice reminds me of like danny devito he, he, so he's like frank reynolds that dad. was so funny i i wouldn't have picked up on that either but like he said something off camera and you're like that sounded like frank and it's, tr- it's like yep that was both just... in the content of what he said and the, like the intonation of what he said yeah, i think it was probably something about like the medusa rack or something yeah like yeah that. yeah exactly um dang that chick's got big tits or like, what, what is know. it that the dad always says holy tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> um fuck 
I guess before we deconstruct the television <laughs> aspect of this, one thing I do want to point out that I thought was really great was the whole swinging yes! side plot. So good. Um, That's a part of the main, the main like horniness of this yeah, movie. Yeah, the parents are swingers, and they're kind of new to the scene, but they're just like... They're just there to have fun, and, and their kids like know about it. They're like, just remember, we're going to do our thing, and we'll let you do yours. And they're like, Mom, oh. that is so gross. Yeah. Uh, but they come <laughs> driving back home with this couple following them. But they met in the classifieds. Yeah, and what is it? Like, uh, like Stan Putterman's like, license plate is Mr. Cool or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And they met them in the classifieds, and they bring them back to the... To their place, and there's so, what, do, what do they call it? The, the love, the pleasure dome, the pleasure dome. That's it. <laughs> um, and they're sort of uh, schmoozing them, and it's like, hey, let's get some drinks, let's do all this. But then, of course, in the typical sort of comedy of errors, uh, misunderstanding <laughs> way, and you know, in a very crass way, <laughs> they point out the fact that the dude they brought back is Greek, which means that he wants to bone down with Stan. Yeah, like that's what they're. That's where they're He's going. Like I am Greek. This. Yeah. No, you don't understand. I am Greek. And they're like, yes, we know. We'd never discriminate against you. We wouldn't dream of it. No. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's a line that fucking Mr. Putterman says that kills me. I think I'm just going to drop it Please in. Please do. Yeah. What the hell did that homo do to the Jacos? Oh, my God. This movie's a fucking treat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but television. How does the television factor to this? The, um, the television is very much a conduit of, yeah. uh, well, I, yeah, for the satellite, I guess, even. Because mm-hmm. it's the satellite, really, that projects this uh, monster alien, all-consuming being into their living room mm-hmm. and starts eating their perfect family. <laughs> um, but the, the monster's obsession with TV, you had a cool take on that oh i did yeah. yeah so a little background the monster he's we, we learn because we get an emergency broadcast from outer space from an alien who is <laughs> i know just, just laughing <laughs> i'm sorry it's, just like it's, alien the, it's the most bonkers premise fantastic. i love it so much um uh where we we find out like earthlings you know this 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 alien is who's on your planet. He's insatiable. He will eat everything. Yeah. What do they say? Like disconnect your television for the next two hundred human years. Right. <laughs> yeah. We can't let him loose. Otherwise, he will eat. You know, eat everything until your planet is a desolate. Your race will be we- annihilated. Yeah. Your planet will be just like all life will be gone. And of course, it ends up in their living room, and the only kid who, or the only person who sees it, isn't believed by anybody. Yeah. So shit goes down. Poor Sherman. Yeah. So once they finally. Um, once the kiddos are finally all acknowledge, like, hey, we have a monster here. Yeah. What are we going to do with this guy? You know, they're teaching him how to talk and how to say their names. They're... Yeah, because thankfully the monster loves metal. So <laughs> yes. at least that's what O.D. says, the metalhead boyfriend yeah. named O.D. O.D. Who calls everyone buttholes. Yeah, buttholes. <laughs> this is like that movie with the alien dude that made you cry like a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Best dialogue. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they realize like, hey, he's kind of friendly, even though he like ate our family. He's he's kind of nice, so let's 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 like try and domesticate him. And so at some point, they're feeding him fast food. Yep. And trying to be like, this is food. It's good for. Well, then when he just picks up the thawed out, soggy, nasty ass <laughs> freezer pizza and takes a bite. Yeah, out Yeah, and Od does. He's like, yeah, yo, he this just, is food, man. Oh. He just pulls it out of the box like it's not he just cooked. Takes a bite. <laughs> <laughs> and then offers some to the alien. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, so they're they're teaching him, you know, the ways of uh, the ways of humanity. That this is food. This is music. It's very like a uh, sort of like late eighties American youth culture, totally. like distilled in that very stereotypical. Yes. Like it's the MTV generation, one hundred percent. That's that's the culture they're teaching yeah, this alien. Exactly. And then the pinnacle is, and this is you know humanity's greatest invention, TV. Mm-hmm. And so this alien that is insatiable and will eat everything, he can be pacified by good old television. Yeah. And yeah, just you can you can probably get some really interesting readings there about um, this idea of consumer culture and needing more and more and more, but being able to be pacified by the television as long as it's on and broadcasting whatever bullshit. Yeah. In you know to. Make you nice and docile. Yeah, and especially because they have their new satellite package. There's yeah. just so much at their fingertips. Well, because, yeah, when the TV show ends, he's more TV. It's like, that's okay. The great thing about TV is if one show ends, there's always something else on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this this idea you can just, like, mindlessly 
tune out tune out and, and well, tune in and mentally tune out and yeah yeah and so this would be definitely coming from that very sort of like idiot box tv is ruining yeah. the brains of our generations yeah. and blah 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 kind of perspective but it's small it's shout still- out to the movie that has the hardcore porno channel on channel 69 <laughs> nice <laughs> nice <laughs> And they're fine with that playing in front of the kids. Like, yeah, it's the like, kids that are just like, this is grody, turn it off. And the parents are just like, oh my god, what's this? And the dad's like, it's channel 69. Yeah, and they just right, sit there, Grandpa? And they like, just sit there nice. staring at the porn. <laughs> so, uh, and then at one point, what's also, I thought was kind of funny, was um, Alien Man's watching TV. <laughs> and he's watching some, like, King Kong type movie. But it's, Oh, it's like a 50s flying saucer movie. Yeah. yeah. But what about, the, there, was, what, there was like a... Some kind of animal, giant animal at some point, I think. There were the one with the giant lizards fighting each other. Yeah. There was the one where the giant quasicodal thing was yeah. on top of the Chrysler building. Very cue the winged serpent kind yeah. of thing. Um, um, but anyway, so he's, he's sitting there in front of the TV just like laughing and screaming and clapping his hands while Washington, D.C. is getting absolutely Yeah, that's when the flying saucers the were ground, just crashing And he's just it. like stoked. And so I, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but yeah, it has, a, um, I guess, critique there. Of, well, that whole like television being the downfall of... Yeah, the, the opioid of the masses. Yeah, or no, I guess that'd be society. religion, but yeah. still... And the, TV's religion. T- the, oh, there you go. There you go. And, um, yeah, this idea of the senseless violence and the desensitization to it and the violence is entertainment. Yeah. And so, yeah, for, for, for a goofy B-movie that is has no point other than to really, like, just be goofy and make you laugh, it's like, you can nevertheless see some, some little, uh, yeah. little points in there that may or may not be intended to be made, but are there no less. Yeah, no, it's, um fucking hilarious and uh picking up on something from a previous iteration that a friend introduced what award would you give this in your imaginary film festival horniest 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 yeah or i guess or because i can think of there are they're obviously way hornier b movies but this one isn't like horny is desexualized (laughs) yeah yeah almost like it's it's horny but it's not it doesn't like explicitly act on the horniness it's not horny in like an exploitation way or like a sexploitation way or like yeah it's just it's just but they have pop art of people fucking and like lots of movies and yeah all over their apartment they have that statue in the foyer that's like the fountain and it's just lactating the water yeah yeah, it's like it's it's like this like sort of like yeah desexualized somehow kitsch horniness yeah kitsch horny yeah (laughs) yeah, kitsch horny perfect okay because the award i would give it would be best arrest warrant (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the line that and that's why you're saying that because this line yeah. fucking just fucking like slayed you. i was just like crying <laughs> you need the context for it so i'm not gonna spoil it but it's yeah it's um <laughs> it's a fucking great moment um cool <laughs> yeah there's some parts in there that just took me by surprise and just some of the dialogue like i think you mentioned it's sort of funny in that sort of like later period schlock john waters kind yeah, of way like some of some of the stuff they say i was like is this is this john waters movie yeah. secretly like i don't know man it's it makes makes you think yeah it's not like the john waters dialogue in that sort of like crass but john waters way like mm-hmm. his early movies it's more fun and light but that kind of like twisted nihilism yeah like, kind of like crops up in his totally. movies yeah no, Terravision, great one. Yes. Uh, totally recommend it. It's uh, on Blu-ray and DVD from Scream Factory, owned by Shout Factory, which I think is like MGM or something. I don't know. Um, cool, cool, cool. Anything else you want to say on? I don't think so. Cool. So the next one we watched was another movie from 86. We watched Demons 2, or what is it? Demoni 2, Li Incubo Returni. Demoni 2. Yeah, shit. Demoni Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that means like the, the incubi return? Yeah, the nightmare but, returns. But in English, apparently it translates to the nightmare returns. Well, yeah. Well, no, that's, that's what I mean. It's like it, it, it's said on, you know, on the screen, incubi returni, but then... The, the subtitle, The subtitle, yeah. the nightmare returns, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> this is a movie that I'm warming up to. I did not care for it the first time I saw it because the first Demons is so fucking great and so yeah. fun that this just doesn't live up to it and it I felt like oh there's so much wasted potential but I'm warming up to it uh, 
that said, I did not care for the first Demons the first time I saw it, which is shocking because the second time I watched it, uh, I was... I can't remember the context for showing it to someone, but I remember it came up and it's like, mm-hmm. fine, okay, we'll watch Demons. And the entire time I'm watching, I'm thinking, like, how did I not love this <laughs> immediately? So I don't know if I was just in a it's weird a fucking question. mood, but... Maybe. Um, yeah, so, premise, Demons 2. We've got this apartment block where a bunch of people in the apartment are watching this TV show that's basically kind of taking the lead from the first Demons movie. And it's sort of talking about, like, oh, there was this demon apocalypse that happened, but then they walled it off, and that part of the city is just closed off, and these people trespassing into it accidentally awaken it's like demons. like amateur archaeologists but that are as just you teens. pointed out, it's so fucking weird. It's like, is this a movie they're watching? Is it a documentary? Is this supposed to be genuine footage, like a live thing? Yeah, is this it, a reenactment? Because it takes us into it as if it's happening Yeah, in it the plays moment. like a movie, and it plays like it's in the moment, but it has this narrator, like, Unsolved Mysteries-esque kind of thing. And then everyone's watching it on TV. Yeah, so and so, but then so it can't clear. be a reenactment, because a demon wakes up, kills one of the people, and then looks at the viewer, through, looks at uh, our main character, Sally, or one of our main characters, Sally, and attacks her through the television. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if it's a reenactment, why do they go and awaken a real demon to do this <laughs> with, you know? Yeah. So you kind of have to overlook this TV and how it sense. functions. I mean, the show and how it functions, because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make any fucking sense, this no. broadcast. Because, like, at least in the first movie, there was a bit more of a clear disconnect between the movie and the events that were happening, mm-hmm. even though it was mirroring the events in the movie. Right. Um, it was them that are like, it's just like in the movie, we gotta stop the yeah, movie. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot more clear. But it's one of those things that, at the end of the day, we don't know that it's the movie itself that actually caused this so much as, like, that artifact that was in the mm. lobby that was featured in the movie. Uh, anyway, this one is just like, why is this happening? But it, ultimately, it doesn't really matter. That's true. <laughs> and so we have this demon that comes through the TV, possesses this uh, woman, and at her birthday party when she's sulking in the bedroom, and then it turns into a bunch of people stuck in this high-tech, high-rise apartment building, unable to get out, while demons are spreading around through it. Yeah. And it the sequel is, like, equal parts, if that sounds familiar, like, kind of ripping on some of the imagery of Videodrome and yep. um, taking the plot of David Cronenberg's other movie, Shivers. How his original. His first movie. So it's very much <laughs> pulling from that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I am going to make a controversial statement here. Okay. And I will say... Ready for your hot take. The soundtrack to Demons 2 kicks the shit out of the soundtrack to Demons 1. And I will say that... Is that controversial? It's yes, because Demons 1 is like noted for its awesome metal soundtrack that's really Mm, kick-ass. But this one is all new wave and post-punk stuff, which is my bread and butter. I'm saying bread and butter even though I'm using it wrong, apparently. Okay. Um, It is my my business. It's my jam. It's my shit. It's my shit. It's extremely my shit. Uh, It's my bread and butter that I eat and shit out. Oh, God. (laughs) It's okay. all of it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was so unnecessary. Um, but I yeah, apologize. so this one has like stuff like The Cult, The Smiths, Love and Rockets, and just all these great sort of like 80s post-punk bands and goth rock. And so I'm totally into it and here for it. And given that the soundtrack... That said, the greatest musical moment in any of them is when uh, Fast as a Shark plays at the end of the first Demons. That's the metal song that plays when he's driving around on the motorbike, just chopping dudes up with a samurai <laughs> sword. That part is great. Also, if you haven't seen these movies, please let the phrase driving around a movie theater on a motorcycle, chopping up dudes with a samurai sword, instill the need to see this yeah, movie. Let immediately. it inspire you. Yes. And your actions from here on out. Yeah. Um, before we get into the meat of the... T- the television aspect of this which you know is a bit more subdued in this movie Mm -hmm. um couple things i wanted to comment on is this is a italian horror and as such it's got some great color palette going on this is true at times it kind of is just for no real reason but you'll sort of notice that a lot of the apartments especially one that's prominently featured just have neon signs yeah hung in the wall like maybe that was in fashion and that's what people did perhaps but at the same time I just kind of get the vibe that's like, that's just so you can have cool color palettes going totally. on, like cool light glows and actually have an explanation It was just very in it. Berlin at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, this one's also, it's an Italian horror movie, but it was set in Berlin, just like the first one. 
Or at least somewhere so, in Germany, we were pretty sure. I'm presuming Berlin because the first one was. Yeah. But yeah, cool. Uh, what did you think of this? This was another first time watch for you. Mm-hmm. I didn't dislike it, but I also wouldn't be in any like massive rush to see it again. That's fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. Like it, it was fun, but yeah, kind, you know, it didn't really make sense. Yeah, <laughs> a lot it's, of the time. It's schlock horror. It's sort mm-hmm. of the Italian schlock, but on the end, like, don't look at it as like the beyond and stuff like that where while it doesn't make sense you kind of want to figure out what's going on (laughs) and stuff and this is like doesn't make sense i'm just gonna kind of let it do its thing Mm -hmm. and just enjoy the ride exactly um so if you can go in with that like being accepting that that is the case then i think you'll enjoy it a lot more than if you go in expecting like a coherent plot or anything of the sort and um of note for fans of the first demons who may not have seen this uh the dude who played the pimp is back in this, playing a completely different character. He plays hard body, hard body like, gym instructor dude, yeah. who has his shit together. Whereas the pimp seemed to be like trying to, like actually he had his shit together in both. It's just he kind of fared a bit better in That's this true. one. <laughs> and also being that Dario Argento produced it, there is a super fetal Asia Argento in this. There is like what, like ten? Maybe, probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, because this would have been 86, so you get some, uh, it's an interesting little fit into the Italian horror canon, because, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Lumberto Bava, who's, did the first Demons, did a bunch of movies himself, but is the son of Mario Bava, who, yes. you know, gets a lot of credit for, like, basically inventing the giallo and stuff right. like that, um, whether you agree or disagree or not with that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's out there. It's pervasive. Yeah. Is there anything else about this one that was kind of, like, sticking it out to you or in your mind with it, or? No. No? <laughs> no. Okay, but the, we should talk about TV, how it functions in this. Um, it's once again working like a conduit, like in Terrorvision. Mm-hmm. But well, even less present. Yeah, it seems like TV is so present in the beginning of this movie. Like, it mm-hmm. shows all these shots of people tuning in, and this program is given so much yeah. importance. But you think, yeah, it's almost like, is everybody in a trance or something? Yeah, What's it's going like, on here? It's, like, really important yeah. right up until it's used where the, the demon travels through the TV. Yeah. And, and then from there on, it's, like, their, absent. And then it just forgets about it. Mm-hmm. Up until the ending, which takes place in a TV studio. So it like yeah, kind of, it's right. just like, oh yeah, this was about television. Remember? Right. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't really use it. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of use of it. Yeah, it's sort of like the framing device and like the setup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it doesn't help that the uh, demon goo made all the power go out in the building. So yep, I guess you for can- sure. <laughs> the TV's kind of useless then. But, but still, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, Interesting. But I guess one thing that I find kind of interesting is it's a sequel to Demons, which is in a movie theater where it's Mm -hmm. the big screen, and now we're watching it on, it's got the small screen for the apartment, and it takes the horror from the the public sphere of the theater, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, all these people coming together for this premiere, it's almost like this hushed party kind of thing, like, they got all the decorations in the lobby, everyone has those tickets the guy was handing out, Right. and now it's sort of in the private, like... It's in the background of their lives while everyone's kind of doing their own shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you have the couple... Um, studying for physics. The main couple, they're, they're just kind of studying physics. They don't even give a shit about the TV yeah. event I mean, that apparently has everyone intrigued. It's on in the background at the birthday party where it attacks the person. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas we see in a couple houses, like the kids, there's two set, there's uh, two different kids, like yeah. different families, and they're both just glued they are. to the TV. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition when you look at it in contrast to the first movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's um, so central, and everyone's like, oh my god, TV, TV! And then, it, yeah, it's like in this, it's except for the kids, um, yeah. for a lot of other people, like you said, it's just in the background. It's just, But yeah. it's also... The fact that it's there in the background, that it's always on, is that... Like... Yeah, because we see little vignettes of all these different families mm-hmm. at the start of the movie, and almost all of them have the TV on yeah. in the background Yeah, and it's just become this, this accepted, program. like, this is just what we do. The TV's yeah. always on. Whereas even if we're not the movie screen is the it. point of focus yeah, in the first you, you, movie. That's yeah, why you, they're there. Exactly, yeah. that's the purpose. Yeah, so it's... Uh, kind of interesting the way that the screen and media and that functions in this compared to the first one mm-hmm. but it really does sort of 
just as we say it's everywhere, it's in the home, and it's kind of pushed to the background. And it's just accepted as a part of the yeah. family so, almost. So, too, home. in the plot, it mm-hmm. kind of gets pushed to the background. It really does, yeah. And uh, I think there could have been some interesting stuff done with it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, once the carnage starts, you're you're watching demons, too. You're kind of there just to see some demons fucking shit up. This is true. Some great makeup effects, some mutation oh, yeah. scenes. And it's like, that's some gore. That's kind of why you're watching a demons movie, I would assume. I would think. Yeah. Especially if it's a sequel. You know what you're in for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, oh, the way they set up a possible sequel. Like, the end of Demons 1 has this setup for what could be a really cool sequel thing. Mm-hmm. And they just 180 on it. Yeah, they're like, And it's fuck that. like, that kind of bumps me out. Because I remember That's after true. seeing Demons, I was thinking, like, I cannot wait for the sequel to this. Right. And then I heard what the second one was about. Like, I read what it was about. And I'm thinking, okay, so they just didn't even bother. Didn't even bother. Like, with what they had set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like it was, like, a huge gulf of time between it, because the first Demons was 85. Oh, yeah. So this was made, like, the next year. And so, you know, they had to have had the idea that they would be doing the sequel, or at least they would be in the cards as soon as the first one did well. So it's Mm kind of weird that they're immediately like, oops, we have to kind of undo everything. At the detriment, I would say, of the plot. Like, Mm -hmm. even though the, the setup is fine kind of thing, it's just, like, they have to explain and, like, flip things around, like, the we're talking about how the program doesn't make any fucking sense. They, um, yeah, that was, uh, if they kind of just done it with what they set up at the end of the first movie, they wouldn't even need to go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is true. But, oh, well. Mm. So what did we watch third? Uh, the, what I assume everyone would expect us to watch. Yep. Videodrome. 1983's video drone by David Cronenberg. We're recording this on David Cronenberg's happy birthday. Happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday, Mr. Cronenberg. Um, video drone's kind of classic. I dare say. It's uh, one of those things that I'm sure most of the people listening to this would have heard of it, if not already seen it. Mm-hmm. But just for those who maybe don't or want a refresher, uh, do you want to give a quick plot? Yeah, well, it's considered one of the sort of like classic quintessential body horror yep. movies. I mean, it's a Cronenberg flick, but it, even with that in mind, it's still in and of itself stands alone mm-hmm. with, as far as that sort of subgenre of horror goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, so we have our TV channel broadcaster, mediator, businessman, broker, whatever the fuck he does do yeah. in Tirana. In Tirana. In Tirana. And uh, he's trying to find material to be broadcast on his channel that is somewhat controversial because it shows what no one else will show. Yeah, what do they say? It shows um, everything Softcore from... porn, hardcore violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, he is, he is just, you know, this passive figure that's just giving the audience what they want. He's noncommittal. He's like, I, you know, I'm just, I'm providing a service here. I will say that I do like uh, the start of that defense where it's just like, mm-hmm. it's a matter of economics. Like, it's just yeah. like, it's I'm like in it for honest, the money. But, but then it turns into the, I think I'm giving people a healthy outlet <laughs> for these yeah. things. Therefore, aren't I doing social good? And yes, just like, I am an angel of just doing this out of the goodness of my heart. But yeah, so he's looking for new programming, something tough that he wants. Yeah, and the, the softcore, or not softcore, I mean, there are people fucking, but the stuff that is being sort of brought his way is, it's too, it's too tender, it's too romantic, it's too naive, it's too naive. as he puts it. They want, they're looking for, for raw, uncompromising, you know, footage that shows what's really going on in the world. Mm. and under the sheets i think they say yeah and what they imagine that to entail and so he comes across this uh what is like a hacked yeah it's a hacked pirate satellite yeah pirate satellite signal called videodrome and which appears to be snuff tv snuff tv and so of course you know we we gotta get this we gotta show it this this is the shit man like this is the good shit and uh very quickly it starts fucking with his head. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Body horrors galore. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So I suppose the big thing that, you know, is on my mind with this movie in recent years, as opposed to before, <laughs> is this movie stars one Mr. James Woods. Oh, Jimmy Dubs. <laughs> I just made that up on the spot. It's perfect. Jimmy D. Um, for those who don't know... 
Jimmy Jimmy Woods here has played his hand on Twitter to show that he he is, has shown his ass multiple times. He has shown his ass on Twitter multiple times. Um, let's just say that us here at Queer Horror Cult are definitely on the opposite side of humanity from him. I dare say I think I think if I think he would probably be offended to his core by the prospect of our existence. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah, but yeah. then but then um we would be the snowflakes that are triggered somehow. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's true. That's us. Um So um you have a hot take. Oh, I have such on, a hot take. On uh, James Woods and so, this movie. <laughs> Let's get into this. Let's get into this. So I, I really want to tweet this to him and either get blocked by him and or banned from Twitter for it. That's kind of my goal. <laughs> <laughs> Ban me, daddy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Shit. so um, for anyone who's seen Videodrome, it's very much a narrative of transformation. And... Uh-huh. Um, Mr. Mr. Woods has made it known how he feels about about the transgenders. Yeah, the transgenders. The transgenders. The capital T H. There's a there's the a tra- little trademark. The, the trans agenda. Yep. And and whatnot and how disgusted he is by it and there's very much this idea. It's a mental illness. It's a scourge upon society. It's like fucking snowflake generation is going to ruin the world because some of them feel okay with being who they are and safe doing so. And that's just the worst thing ever. Yeah. Anyway. So video drama is very much a narrative of transformation of the body, of the mind, of the vision of for society, even Mm -hmm. of the the new flesh living long, living proud, living out. Yeah. Long live, long live the new flesh. flesh. (laughs) And, uh, Mr. Woods develops this beautiful type of, yeah orifice in right his in the chest. abdomen if any, so if anything and the way he comes to embrace this transformation of himself um i would say argue that in this you know in videodrome james woods is somewhat of a trans icon and happy <laughs> or, and thank you to the birthday boy david cronenberg for giving us this this, this cultural text to treasure <laughs> so videodrome Amazing movie. Yes. This movie is... Even if it doesn't make sense to you. Yeah. Sometimes. In, in spite... In, it's one of those things that it's amazing in spite of trans icon James Woods, but it is yeah. amazing. Which and also happens to be his best movie. Probably his only movie, let's be real. <laughs> I know he's a star, but his only movie is worth... He's in a ton of movies. I, I haven't seen I used to watch a TV show that had him in it, like, oh, like okay. back in... The OOs, I think, but no, I know he's in a whole bunch of stuff. It's, it's the only one worth noting, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Can you tell we're such big fans? Yeah, we're digging our grave right now. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, this movie, fucking, fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about TV. Let's talk about TV. You know, right from the beginning, you get two sides of this debate of, is TV good? Is TV bad? Yep. And, of course, it's always framed in these terms. It's, it's It can only be good or bad, and that's not really the question we need to be asking most of the time. Right. But it's the question that gets asked, because it's easy, and it creates debate, and this gets views and attention. Anyway, um, so is it... Is TV something that is, you know, a net society, societal good, bad, neither? Is it neutral? Like, what, what, what is it? And especially when you have something like the, the civic TV, broadcasting violence, broadcasting mm-hmm. pornography, broadcasting all these things that we are so much better than, that are beneath us, beneath a cultured, civilized society, then what does that say about us? What does that say about them? What does that say about humanity, about just the viewership? All of these existential questions that don't have clear-cut answers right. get explored in this. And it's interesting how much this movie shows TV as being so not just important, but like pervasive of society. Because uh, a great example of that is there's the homeless mission. And it's mm-hmm. called the cathode ray mission where homeless people can come and watch television. And as they say in the movie, it's so they can be plugged back into society. Yeah. That is that s- s- television is society. It, yeah. it shows 
you know, what it shows is society. So therefore it must be society. And yet this, this collapse of the, the representation versus the object that it, or the subject, yeah. depending on how you view it, that it purports to represent. Yeah. It's funny because um, the character of Brian Oblivion definitely says some things on his tapes that oh that character is i fuck i love it like his his first appearance in this interview where he won't appear on tv unless through a tv yes i was just like that interview on a television great yeah (laughs) it's so on the nose and i was like i love it yeah but he says stuff about how after a while like television becomes the real and do you have a quote handy yeah um so he has this very postmodern take. He goes, after all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? You can see that you can't. Or you, you can see that, can't you? You can cut that part out. Um, but he goes so far as talking about how the Battle of the Mind of North America will be fought in the video arena or the videodrome. Yeah. And the television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Therefore, whatever appears on the television screen emerges as raw experience for those who watch it. Therefore, television is reality, and reality is less than television. Yeah. Which is interest- so interesting when you, I mean, if, whether or not you're familiar with philosophies of mm-hmm. reality and representation and simulation and simulacra and all of these different things. You have your, your Baudrillard, you have your Guy Debord, you have your Foucault even, I'm sure. Um, I'm... I'm I guess, a student of philosophy on my own time, which is minimal. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, you, because on the one hand, you have the claim that... And you see this very much represented in um, James Woods' character. Trans-icon James Woods. Trans-icon James Woods in his character, of where he's just the the middleman showing you how it is. He wants a pers- he wants a re- he wants reality. Like as he, he says, he wants to show you how it actually is under the sheets. He wants real fucking... Yeah, which and, and it turns out, oh, we want real snuff, but it's not porn. But yes, it is. Yeah. Anyway, we've already yeah. had this conversation. If you know, a few yeah, episodes what is back. that when he's uh, um, he's with uh, Nikki Harry. Brand, played by Deborah Harry of Blondie fame. Yeah. Um, she asks, "Do you got any porn?" And uh, she finds this videodrome tape, and mm-hmm. she's like, "Hey, what's videodrome?" And then he's like, "You know." torture mutilation like that kind of stuff it's like, not porn. And she's like that sounds right it's like that's not exactly porn she says says who mm-hmm. kind of thing like yeah so it's funny he you know even though he's the one showing all this stuff you can tell he has these very like rigid moral character he's kind of taken out he's kind taken of distancing off guard by himself that. like it's yeah. like self-preservation of like i need to distance myself from this so that way i can morally sleep at night exactly kind of thing. but so he claims to he wants to show reality supposedly yeah. which you know, TV claims to be this, uh, or we have this idea that it's this, um, almost like this unbiased, directly transparent view into reality. It's a conduit. Yeah, it, it's just, it, there's it, there's no uh, you know when especially the, when it, if it's something that's like live news or um, you know th- this idea that, that it's like ideology free almost like it's yeah. just showing you objectively this is what's happening. It's like seeing is believing kind of idea. Yeah, and this that it's it's not you know we, we don't want something that's wrapped we don't want porn that's wrapped up in storyline and romance and all this stuff because it's not real. What is that one guy says? He says it's not tacky enough, and he goes tacky enough for what? Tacky enough to turn me on? To- yeah, yeah. So yeah, this so you know we want reality, but then that's obviously not the case because it's it's representation there's always going to be some sort yeah. of mediating factor and if you take the you know it's very postmodern dr oblivion view that there you know reality is only what we see and he's obviously not the one who or the only person who has ever stated yeah. this before there's you know entire schools of thoughts even you know i'm studying psychology right now yeah. and certain practices of psychotherapy where yeah reality is seen at you know there are multiple realities yeah and if at best reality is just the closest we can come to a consensus on something among yeah. multiple people about what constitutes reality. Cause if you think about it, you know, the sky is blue, but if enough people started changing the meaning of the word to say, no, actually the sky is pink, then does that not become reality? If you get enough people agreeing on it and enough people repeating it and saying this and truly believing it, then does the sky not become pink because the meaning changes? <laughs> <laughs> explosion um, so um but then you get into this idea of where he you know what dr oblivion talks about how tv is realer than reality yeah it's more real which on that note mm-hmm. i think 
Brian Oblivion's character is, if you're looking at it from a more um, contemporary sort of like look back at this movie, I think he's a great comment on reality television. Oh yeah, kind of thing. Because I mean, he he's his name is Brian Oblivion, which he states that's not my birth name; it's my television name. And in the future, I believe everyone will have these new different names. Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> and when he's saying that TV is reality and reality is less than TV, it's isn't that reality television? It purports to be reality, but it's always everything is pushed up to 11. Like, mm-hmm. the stakes are, like, the drama. Yeah. Any kind of, like, it's hyper-real. I was going to say hyper-reality is... tends to yeah, be real, but that's it's... The t- where it becomes so visible and so explicit that it eclipses reality. Yeah. Because it becomes more, more real than reality. It's kind of like the found footage version of a soap opera. Like, that's what I, I get out of reality television, you know? Right. Um, yeah, that's a great way of putting well, it. Well, <laughs> it's fucking true. It's and like, then you, and then it's you, fake as shit. It is so fake. But it purports to be so real, and then people and, start buying into yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, and then enough, it calls itself reality, and people say, yeah, okay, this is reality, and, like, it just, it comes to be just kind of taken at face value like yeah it's reality tv and it's proliferated to the point of like how many celebrities or like major or minor have their own reality show Mm -hmm. and then there's like more and more of these shows that spin off of these shows where it's just like you know what you've got like Gene Simmons has a show, Dee Snyder has a show, Brett Michaels has a show, and like all these like musicians from yesteryear I've seen all have these shows kind of thing (laughs) and soon it's gonna just I just want to say D. Snyder's was the best. Okay, cool. I'm not trying to knock on D. Snyder, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, um, his is the all, best. All the shout out to D. Snyder. But yeah, you know, if you want to talk about spinoffs, yeah, you have Brett Michaels' Rock of Love, which was the, like, The Bachelor. Yeah. And then off of that show, you know, we had, we've had certain contestants that had big enough personalities, then they got their own show. So we had Daisy of Love with Daisy, the contestant. Oh, and then we had Megan Wants a Millionaire, which got canceled, like, after one episode aired because one of the contestants uh, was on, a murderer, uh, right? on the run for murder. Yeah, right. Yeah, you remember oh, that? Oh, shit. I didn't realize that was like... That, yeah, yeah, so that show it aired like the first episode and then it was canceled in de- like forever. One of my favorite little asides about these spinoff things is I love how the fucking security guard guy from Nathan For You, <laughs> like the, uh, got... They tried to pitch this reality show, but then it turned out that the private investigator got a reality yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, um, sorry, so, <laughs> so good. Nathan for you is a great show. It's I know it's not it's not really queer horror cult genre. Hey, we're talking like that, TV right now. So we are so watch some Nathan. It's for fantastic, you. Nathan. We love you. Canadian icons represent. Mm-hmm. Love him. Anyway, um, you're talking about the yes yeah, proliferation of reality TV. Everyone has is going to have their their TV name, their rea- their 15 minutes of fame, their reality. What do we, you know, even if they're not you're not doing this through Hollywood or through television, how many YouTubers? Yeah. Do we have that are... Oh my god, yeah, YouTube YouTubers. is exactly what Brian Oblivion was talking totally. about. Totally, and, and this idea, and not even just YouTube, because a lot of the time that's pre-recorded and still very um, manicured and curated, but you have this proliferation, you have Facebook Live, you have Instagram Live, you can live stream, I think, on YouTube even. Yep. So it's, again, that this idea of let's have it real in the moment, and this hyper-reality of, yeah, this supposedly like unmitigated, just like face-to-face, I am gazing directly into reality through this screen yeah and there's no agenda there's no <laughs> oh yeah i know i'm i'm rolling my eyes I, I, I this. But you know, yeah, there's, there's no ideology there's no agenda there's no you know magic or anything like the idea people have been trying to say that that you know this gives it this is reality because you can't you can't fake it the way you can with television yeah. it's like it's bullshit but whatever yeah <sighs> It is something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, so I, I was thinking of Baudrillard as I was uh, I think you're going to have to this. explain I will, is. I was going to yeah. say. So uh, he, if you have ever seen The Matrix, which I'm guessing a lot of you have, I admit I saw it for the very first time in my entire life last year at the age of 25. Yeah. And that's fine because I... You're actually, a I, I know, but then I also actually understood it. So oh. that was cool because had I seen it as a kid, it's like, I think I would have been like, well, that, you know, that was like some fun action stuff, but I have no fucking clue what was going on. Whereas mm-hmm. this is like, no, man, I get it, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> the simulation, man. We're all batteries, man. <laughs> Reality is an illusion, man. Taking another bong hit. Anyway. 
<laughs> I'm going to take the purple pill because I'm going to take both at the same time. Oh, split brain, man. Left brain in the simulation. <laughs> right brain reality, man. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> so fucking so, stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's... Um, Baudrillard's work, sim- simulations, simulacra and simulation, or sim- I think it's simulation and simulacra is the title of the book. It's a postmodern philosopher. It was very influential in the making of the Matrix to the point that um, the main s- actors had to read it mm. before prior, you know, prior to filming beginning, and it's all. It also makes an appearance in the movie itself. I noticed when um, Neo sort of towards the beginning, he's like fishing that little tape disc whatever it is mm-hmm. out of, you know, he has a hollowed out book that he's hiding it in he's yeah. hiding it in the simulation simulacra right and um so i i pulled up a little uh no, wait this is in terms of videodrome we're talking yes yeah. so um but this goes exactly to that idea that t- television and yeah. representation is more real than mm-hmm. reality so mm-hmm. um i just wanted to segue away from yes. matrix yeah yeah no that's a good point so, uh, if, if I just pulled up Wikipedia quickly, it talks about how Baudrillard sees um, four types of representation. So, where classically, we, I guess Plato saw two types: we had faithful and intentionally distorted, which is the simulacrum, the latter, the latter of which is the simulacrum. Uh, Baudrillard sees uh, the basic reflection of reality, a perversion of reality, a pretense of reality where there is no model, and simulacrum, which bears no relation to any reality whatsoever. And we see it almost become reality mm-hmm. or take the place of reality. Where, cause I, I remember the first time I was ever introduced to the term simulacra. Well, the simulacrum is singular simulacra is plural because it's a Latin word. So would you say simulacra, uh, the new flesh, would you say that's simulacra or perversion of oh. reality? Ah, uh, oh, that's a good question. You know what? It, it, I think probably simulacra but i don't okay so i was gonna say the first time i was introduced to it was when i took sociology 100 and it was very much in passing but it was just you know one of those terms in the textbook that you just needed to know for the test yeah and where it's almost like the idea you have of reality through representation so the way my teacher explained it was that she's like you know when you you had when you go to jasper you don't go there to see jasper you go there to see the simulacra or simulacrum you have in your mind of what jasper is and i thought about that i'm like oh that's that's me when i went to when i went to venice for the first time right during carnavale i you know that first day there i was like what the fuck is this this isn't venice like yeah. this is nothing like the representation so it's, it's this it's this image i had in my mind that was based out of representations but really didn't actually represent any reality whatsoever yeah although i came closer to finding it when i got lost down some empty like canal streets that weren't the you know, way away from like St. Mark's square and stuff. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh yeah, this is Venice <laughs> or the Venice I've been led to believe exists. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was, it was quite, quite an experience. Yeah. So they had to go in with this expectation. Like I know what reality is because I've seen it and then it doesn't actually exist. Yeah. It's, it's off putting. It's, it's, it's a weird feeling since it always comes back to porn. Um, I, yeah. I was thinking about all, all that. I was thinking about that a bit lately in terms of the, this idea of simulacra reality mm. representation simulation and all this stuff and all these fears that you know porn is and it, it's hyper availability and it's pervasiveness yeah. everywhere is distorting people's ideas of what of what reality is and this idea that um this fear that the simulation is becoming better than the real thing or, or not better necessarily, but more appealing, I guess, yeah. to people. And, you know, I've been reading about this so-called sex recession that millennials are going through allegedly mm-hmm. where people, you know, people are fucking less. And, um, and some people blame porn oh, for, yeah. for, cause of course they, they always draw these causal connections between it things. Back to porn. <laughs> it all does. A leads to B and that's just how it is. This is science and it's just fact. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about it and in a way, I guess it has become this sort of simulacrum. So, um, with Baudrillard in mind throughout watching, okay. watching the movie and everything, I just did like a quick Google search, mm-hmm. you know, video drone Baudrillard and this great article by someone named Martin Ham for sensesofcinema.com. It's from 2004 came up that, um, it's called Excess and Resistance in Feminized Bodies, David Cronenberg's Videodrome and Jean Baudrillard's Seduction, which I haven't read. But um, he 
talks a lot about this idea of hyperreality of um, and the way representations of, of sex and pornography and everything become hyperreal. Yeah. And which you kind of see in, in or at least you don't necessarily see the sexuality itself or not the sexuality, the porn itself in the movie because it obviously had to fit a certain rating and everything. Yeah. But this sense back to that conversation of like, we want to show reality this and this constituting what reality is. And um, I just want to find this quick quote. So this author has um, this great sort of primer on Baudrillard and seduction and in, the, in terms of Videodrome. Mm. And uh, he writes that uh, pornography doesn't just, you know, refer to just depictions of sex acts, but specifically to the modern tendency that seeks to render the relationship between the viewer and viewed totally transparent, that is, apparently without mediation. Pornography endeavors to conceal its representation of reality by raising the visibility of the most powerful images towards the point of maximum proximity and exhaustion. The overexposure characteristic of pornography works to compensate the viewer for his or her passivity and absence from the pornographic scene, though at the cost of tantalizing peripheral details and the nuances of an independent, detached interpretation by its viewer. In this way, pornography is hyper-real in that it becomes more real than the unmediated object it depicts, and thus represents the supplanting of the real by its model. And then Baudrillard himself is quoted here as talking about how um, in within porn, sex is so close that it merges with its own representation, the end of perspectival space, and therefore that of the imaginary and the fantasy, end of the scene, end of the illusion. So back to this idea that the, the hyper-reality of the representation that claims to represent reality faithfully and honestly become... Come, it eclipses reality and it almost comes to constitute reality. And we see, and we do see that happening with this weird feedback loop of like, we've talked about this before is our, you know, is porn and the way algorithms and stuff work. Is it just showing the audience what it wants to see? Or is it at the same time constituting what it, it thinks the audience wants to see and the audience seeing it then comes to I, understand, Oh, this is what I meant to see because this is what porn is. This is what sex mm-hmm. is. And I guess in real life, or it's sorry. like the chicken or the egg of being. Yeah, real yeah, exactly. And it's like really, it's both at the same time, same damn time, guys. You know, back to your 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 point about the when she asks if he has any, has any porn and what's oh, Videodrome, you're like, well, it's not porn. Oh, who says it's not porn? And how he goes from having this, you know, aversion where it's like that's no, there's this boundary between this is what is porn and sex, and this is what is violence and Videodrome. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is watching it in this context to be like, hey, you want to try some stuff? And all of a sudden he's sticking needles into her ears and making her bleed. And how quickly that boundary dissolves when this supposed representation of what reality is instructs you as to what reality actually supposedly is. Yeah. I feel like I'm just saying words at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Love philosophy. Love to philosophize. (laughs) Yeah, I, ho- I hope that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> to some, to we'll some find extent. Out. We'll find out. Makes about as much sense as Videodrome, maybe. I don't know. It makes sense. It just, it it's in a very roundabout way that loses you multiple times. Yeah. Along the way, like a lot of great postmodern, post-structuralist photograph- photography, philosophy. <laughs> Did I just have a Freudian slip? Maybe. Slip of some sort. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah, Videodrome. It's a whole lot there. Yeah, great fucking movie. Yes. Um, cool. Think it's time for our recommendations then? I think so. All right. You go first this time. I will go first this time. Okay. Uh, since we've already gassed up Terror Vision a, a whole bunch, and we think you yes. should watch it. We do. Um, I'm going to guess up the movie that is part of the double feature Blu-ray it comes on. Scream Factory put it out as a double feature, Terror Vision, along with a movie called The Video Dead. The Video Dead is... Very B-movie, but it's pretty fun. It's a zombie movie where some people get a haunted television that's mistakenly delivered to their house, and zombies crawl out of it, and much mayhem ensues. It's, uh, especially compared to, like, Videodrome, it's it's fairly mindless movie, but it's sort of, like, popcorn fun. Yeah, so that's going to be my recommendation to, uh, you may as well complete the twofer. Watch both Terrorvision and Videodrome. You probably won't be disappointed. <laughs> At least not with that primer. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, I kind of struggled with this because I, I 
couldn't really think of any TV-centric horrors, so the the best I can do is Poltergeist, which is great in and of itself, good fun, but there there's some TV stuff that happens. Yeah, there's a bit of TV in there. What a monstrous television. Sort of taking the Demons 2 approach, where it's like, there is a TV, it does some stuff. Yeah, it does some spooky shit, so... So we're gonna go with that. So it counts. Cool. And it's great, so... Yeah, Poltergeist yeah, is pretty classic, classic for a reason. It's, uh... It's good fun. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an unexpectedly funny one, too. I remember that's how mm-hmm. my mom introduced it to us yeah because she met there there's a particular scene that she said it just made her die with laughter and <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily expect that but then going in and watching it with that i was like oh, okay that is pretty funny i don't want to spoil anything though on the off chance someone hasn't seen it all right so there you have it tv horror it's been it's been fun tv is horror or is it i don't know <laughs> we're gonna keep being philosophical are we yes Okay, well... Well, I need, my brain needs, needs to, like, break to, like, reboot first, but yeah, we'll, we'll get back to it eventually. Yeah, we won't subject you to that right we now. We won't. <laughs> or ourselves, for that matter. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you haven't uh, done so yet, and I'm guessing most of you probably haven't, but that's okay, but if you feel up to it, maybe give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast Stitcher, from. wherever. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher. You can get us straight through uh, Pippa. Pippa. That's, yeah, that's where we're hosted. Um, we hope people are enjoying the show so far. We've gotten some engagement on uh, social media, mostly with our shit posts, <laughs> which... Uh, we appreciate I it. I don't know how that became, like, our thing, but I guess it's our thing now, it so... It did, yeah. I, I've accepted that, like, two weeks into it. I was like, yeah. well, I've done two in a row. I think this is just going to be it, so... <laughs> it's just shit posts, yeah. Ari yeah. is in charge of the... Um, social media posts that we do <laughs> or at least for, the, the, yeah, images the, the images yeah. yeah we, we actually you things. actually know photoshop so i know photoshop and graphic design is my passion <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah so um thanks everyone for listening and we hope you keep listening and we're just going to keep at it having fun so far so that's been good mm-hmm. uh so until next time why don't you take it easy and keep it sleazy <laughs>